0: yo what's going on guys welcome back to the mainframe podcast we're your host diman on with and thank you for tuning in to episode three of this season's podcast and we got some hot diggity dog digital news for you okay i'm sorry i don't know what that was anyways let's dive right into something that's taken the world by storm and has just made another huge leap non-fungible tokens or as we all know it nfts Twitter said in September that it would add a way for users to authenticate non-fungible tokens or NFTs, and that the feature is now live if you pay $2.99 for Twitter Blue subscription and are using an iOS device. On one hand, NFT profile pictures could be viewed as an incredible technology integration, adding real utility for verified digital items. Alternatively, it is an unmissable signal, pointing out that to the people that you should block or mute before they try to sell you some of their blockchain receipts no matter what your opinion of easily reproduced digital trinket is twitter is integrating them in a way that separates ridiculous images of cartoon apes that have been right clicked from ridiculous images of cartoon dates that are connected to blockchain tokens by adding a special soft hexagon shape around them the whole loop the whole circle what i have to ask for you on with what is your take what do you what do you think about like the entire integration of non-fungible tokens nfts jpegs whatever you want to
1: view them as into social media i mean at first thought i thought this was really cool right like something like a phenomenon such as nfts being integrated something that we use daily like twitter and social media i thought it was like actually pretty cool but as soon as you said you have to pay 2.99 for the twitter <laughs> blue subscription i knew that this was going to end up being like a novelty item because in fact like, I would say about 3% of all t- Twitter users use the Twitter Blue subscription. And I mean, that's very small compared to the other 97% of the whole Twitter um, population or users. So, like, if you end up in practicality, barely anyone is going to see your, like, NFTs. And like, it's not going to really be of use, right? So, I think, like, it's kind of, I think that right now, there's, like, in kind of beta testing. By putting it in the Twitter Blue, as part of the Twitter Blue subscription. But if it really takes off, they see an increase in Twitter Blue subscription uh, per month. Like I think they'll eventually put it into the free model and basically just like capitalize on that by like charging like a small fee for like basically buying each other's profile pictures, accumulating like a whole library. It's like at first thought I thought it was pretty cool, and at second thought I thought it was kind of a scam, and at third thought I think it's pretty cool. like what are you what are your ideas i mean like see see
0: what i thought is like the entire idea of nfts right the big like aspect behind it is like the decentralization of your asset and the fact that you own the asset no one else can have it and the fact that people have already been using their image transcribed and putting it as their profile pic the difference now is twitter is actually integrating the blocking technology into the profile picture itself to in essence decentralize the picture instead of it just being a flat up jpeg file i found this interesting because at launch, twitter is supporting several crypto wallets that users connect to their profiles and verify that their tokens are of the no fung- non-fungible variety, such as Argent, Coinbase, Rainbow, Trust Wallet, etc. However, one thing I find very interesting, because the whole notion behind it, the big like takeaway, the big factor that sets NFTs apart, is the decentralization. But one side effect of limiting its interaction with the blockchain to a certain list of approved sources that Twitter says you can use your NFTs from, means that information on who owns what is not as decentralized as you may think because as we see like a database outage that knocked off like OpenSea's api offline for a few hours caused towards nft collection pages to lose some of their information as well so people like right now like they think their asset is safe but through this twitter like usage and how they're using it it's not as safe as decentralized as you think but yeah my but my take on this is like I don't know how much people would care, because I feel like right now, the entire notion behind NFTs, people think it's cool, but I feel like a lot of people are viewing NFTs as an easy and quick money-making process, not necessarily the actual aspect that makes it unique, the actual security and decentralization that makes it unique.
1: Yeah, so basically, like, just to give the, like, the listeners some context, so NFT stands for non-fungible token, as Demont mentioned. So it's basically a piece of digital content, whether it be like a JPEG file of an image, a little a little GIF or JIF, depending on how people pronounce it these days. They you know, basically secure the video the other day. It's actually um, pronounced GIF. Like that's like the pronunciation. Okay. I mean that, that that's what I use anyway, so I guess I was right all along. <laughs> so basically this piece of digital art, as some people call it, or just a PNG as other people call it. It's basically protected on the blockchain, which is basically a form of a digital ledger, right? It says this guy who has a specific address owns this piece of digital, uh, whatever it is, like a, like a photo, a GIF, etc. cetera, GIF, okay? So basically that's that's the whole premise of NFTs and they intrinsically have no value, which is the same thing as like Bitcoin, any crypto, cryptocurrency. They have no intrinsic value, but where they get their value from, is speculative interest. So, if like, you say for Bitcoin, it has zero value when it was first like a thing. But everyone's like, oh, basically like this is such a private way to like you know transact different in- piece of information, whether it be on a dark web for like malicious intent, or whether if it's a good thing like privacy, like for um if they're trying to like for witness protection programs, like if they're trying to buy something without any like paper trails, like that's that's a good use for them. So basically, that's a whole notion behind like behind like cryptocurrencies nfts and entire blockchain basically and i think you pick up an interesting point about nfts basically like people thinking of them as easy money right because for example like logan paul one of the biggest influencers in in like the us um recently bought the world of woman nft um and he made a 535k profit when it just sold a couple of like two weeks ago yeah, I and it's still for that, Yeah, sold for a whole 200 Ethereum, that's $765,000 right now adjusted for inflation. So I think that's like, that's crazy, right? Like people are making, like it was mere like couple of months that he even held the NFT and he made $535,000 in profit. So people definitely see it as quick money. And that's like why there's so much interest behind it. You see people like pumping and dumping. Dumping NFTs and all of that. So I think you an interesting point with that. And I really find it interesting that like social media platforms are really like holding on to this idea, right? Like they're trying to adapt it into their own ecosystem. Because like profile pictures, it's not this NFT system that Twitter's integrating, it's not really like profile pictures but like some like two people can have the same one. Because right. like this is protected by a blockchain, right? So if only you have that specific address for that PNG can you use it in your profile so i think it's really interesting how they're using buy to be honest i don't really see the whole use behind it right what is like i guess it's just 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 for showing off i don't see any other novelty behind Bro, it. i, I you, guess think the i guess
0: way? i guess to answer that point right i can bring you back to the whole logan paul like example you talked about logan paul using like like buying a world of women nft and profiting like so like millions of dollars off of it but um another like recent occurrence that happened with logan paul is he recently bought a 3.5 million dollar pokemon box and what what happened is when he actually opened that box he found out that it was a fake it was improperly verified and the fact is he lost 3.5 million dollars because the cards inside weren't actually original cards there were some other like bootleg cards from a bootleg company and what he actually said is this actually like proves the importance of NFTs because the entire idea behind NFT is digital verification. If this entire, like those $3.5 million worth of Pokemon cards actually went through the blockchain, there'd be a certain verification be put behind it through the blockchain network. And that digital verification is what authenticates certain purchases that big, where in fact, like physical products, on the other hand, couldn't have that same sort of verification for consumers such as Logan Paul, investing huge amounts of monies into certain assets.
1: Yeah, that totally makes sense. There's definitely a value in like the digital verification aspect of the blockchain and subsequently um, NFTs, right? for example, as you said, if Logan Paul's Pokemon box two and a half million dollars, which he was eventually reimbursed, um if it wasn't verified by the blockchain, say like, Oh, this is com- this is verified like so like this that, many that, people like, like that image check of your like, Charizard is actually that image of Charizard. Exactly. If it was like verified through the blockchain, then it would have a much higher probability of it being like actually real than if it was like verified by like, a third party company. Which even though if had a, it had like that third party company he got it verified had like a banger reputation in the Pokemon really? world and it still and it still got <laughs> it still ended up being fake, filled with a bunch of G.I. Joe cards, <laughs> which I thought was actually pretty funny. And he actually he, he also thought it was funny as well. Oh, yeah. So like I think the integration right. with nfts in twitter like as as you said like there's some verification that goes with like the digital art acquisition right like what's the use of it into twitter like i guess like say if you bought a world of women nft like logan paul did and you could show it off on your twitter profile page or you could just like tweet a picture of it like i don't really understand what the, the whole like premise of it is right. but like i guess like if you do like posted on the hexagon like little profile page i guess it kind of proves that you actually own it right whereas if you just like tweet it out you could just say like you grabbed this picture from like someone else i I kind of see that
0: this is why i feel like we're sort of only scratching the surface of entities right right now we're just using nfts for the image for like basically image processing right showing like this image this digital asset of this image belongs to me but i think that's just scratching the surface i think the real like value behind nfts is just like actual verification digital verification and that aspect really hasn't been pushed by all these major companies such as twitter because being frank that's what not what people care about people just care about making quick money showing up what they own and what they own is just a jpeg image so they want like users to feel like oh if you use our subscription service then you can put value like real real like extra value to the jpeg image that you bought and it's actually verified i guess it's just another way to i guess like Entice consumers. I don't think I, I don't really think like Twitter has like real plans to utilize NFT technology for something more than just to promote their subscription-based service.
1: Yeah, I think like what I see Twitter is like what the whole thing behind NFTs is doing right now is that like they're this is kind of like a proof of concept right now, right? Because like initially think of cryptocurrency in the beginning in it's infancy right it was basically used to like make black market deals because it was essentially untraceable right and no one like really uses it that much so it was used to make it's black market
0: anyway people are originally or and are still using bitcoin because it's all just blockchain technology
1: exactly exactly so i feel like nfts are doing the same thing here right but not as extreme or like malicious as it was for cryptocurrency like just this is another application to show that this concept is truly viable and I personally think that it is truly viable as a form of digital ownership and I think soon people are going to also realize because think think about it like a picture that was originally worth maybe some cents ended up like being worth three quarters of a million dollars and even more now like that's that's absolutely crazy right like the amount of like rocket power that has to like go from zero to $765,000, Seven hundred and sixty-five thousand dollars. That's crazy. Within a within a matter of like a year, essentially. Holy so uh, there's definitely merit in NFTs. Consumers are putting trust into this software,
0: but I guess like a group of people that I guess don't trust or not necessarily like like NFTs is like the entire gaming industry because NFTs have been a contentious topic in the video game industry as of late because um, recently uh, fans did not respond well to Ubisoft's NFT plans the outcry of nfts in the game stalker 2 heart of chernobyl and this reaction was so vehement that game developers decided to cancel them entirely and it's not just video game fans that are skeptical of new nft technologies within the game many game developers have similarly strong feelings according to game developers conference annual survey which was released on thursday i find this really interesting because with the advent of the metaverse coming becoming a bigger and bigger thing in the in the entire like market right like cascading not only on like the social aspect of the world but also the economical aspect of the world so now you have a metaverse where there's going to be a separate economy within the metaverse itself and i find it interesting that the entire idea of games because when you think of the metaverse like right now the impression i get is just an online gta where you're your own person back by blockchain <laughs> right that's really what i think of the metaverse and the fact that gaming companies and game developers are not like are very hesitant in utilizing NFT technologies to implement them into their own game system and I guess like become a branch branching of the bigger tree that is the metaverse. I find it very interesting because I would think of all people, the gaming industry would be the most like supportive of NFTs in, um, in relation to being used in the gaming world where you control your own NFT and you own your own NFT within a certain game and can utilize that in fashion in whatever fashion you would like. I mean, I guess like
1: I, I understand why the gaming industry is kind of like the element of um, like NFTs, right? Like, cause, like, why would if they already say like for example, for them to like receive the NFT, they have to already own the thing in the game, right? So you're basically paying double price for essentially what is useless to them, right? What's you what's useful for them is what's in the game, not what they get in real life, not like a like a digital asset. That they own of just like a picture of like whatever armor that they bought or whatever, or like a skin or something. Like what's useful for them is like the in-game advancement, the in-game like uh cost, like you know, like the the way it's viewed in the game. Like the only value it has is in the game. Once you bring it outside, it has no like value to the actual gamer. So I kind of understand why it's like why the gaming industry is not really like trying to adapt this technology. But it also makes sense why, like, social media companies are trying to adapt, it, right? Not just Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. They're also looking to integrate NFTs in the blockchain technology into their own apps, right? Because basically, they're giving another use case for NFTs. Before, they're only, like, trying to trade it with, like, by paying Ethereum or Bitcoin, whatever, to, like, trade NFTs. But now, if you actually use them, it just gives them a little bit more value, right? For example, before you just had the asset, like say, oh, I have this NFT, but now you can actually use, like, show them in like Twitter, Instagram, Facebook as a part of your profile. Like, say you have your profile picture, you have this little hexagon, other profile picture next to your original one, showing that oh, I own this NFT because I paid like you know seven hundred sixty-five thousand dollars for it, or maybe even ten dollars for it, like depending on how much you can afford. So I think like it's just adding another use case for it, and thus like basically grounding the mirror.
0: Like, I, I guess I, I guess I sort of see that, but I guess with relation to gaming community, let me like pose like an example, right? Recently I've gotten back into the game Fortnite because honestly it's been very fun to just enjoy it with my friends. But the thing with um the thing like I guess the example that I would pose is imagine if you had you were in Fortnite and you bought an NFT skin and you're the only person with that skin in the game, no one else could have the same skin as you and you own that digital asset that that i guess that is like the the route i'm trying to go why wouldn't um the gaming community be in support of that
1: well i think okay i definitely see that i think the gaming community would be in support of things associated with that right because like like, I also play Fortnite, like, I, like, the whole, like, thing of skins in Fortnite is that like, who has the rarest skin? This is, like, say, like, this guy has a rare skin, so he right. must be good. That's Something how they like made, that, right? that's
0: how they made all their money. That's how they have, uh, like, almost, like, like, 100 millions of dollars net worth because of the idea that you can buy a skin and personalize yourself in a way that other exactly. people... Exactly, it's those little
1: microtransactions that make them, like, truly unique and, like, basically rare and give more value to the game and to the players themselves right like thing is nfts like they don't like stay at a constant value right they're always fluctuating due to like the speculative interest of it so like how would how would like one know how much an nft skin is worth right See, there's only one of them that speculative interest goes through the roof meaning that the price would also go through the roof right that's like the law of demand so basically like i don't know how you put a valuation on it and like also NFT premise of it is that you can also trade it it's it's not it's non-fungible means that no one else can have it only you so if you don't have like that like the purpose of trading it like what's the point of having it right because you have to put a valuation on it it's always fluctuating and thing is Fortnite is built on like most like games are now that are successful are built on microtransactions, mean that you pay very little money for like a little like skin or a pickaxe or something like that, and you do that multiple times so it accumulates and makes money for the actual company. So like I think it wouldn't really be practical in use, like in games that are that leverage microtransactions, but I could definitely see it as something like possible in the future if they were able to like get like a non-volatile
0: like price level right, on each other. Yeah, the, the whole like, idea behind NFTs is there is always a value associated with it right the more the more demand there is for that value the higher the price goes and then when that price goes up the company actually makes a percentage of that money right and that, that's exactly. how like i guess the gaming industry would like to implement it But the um, realistic side of that implementation is that you'll see the top 1% of NFTs within these games have super high evaluations, right? And make these companies money. However, 99% of them will not have as much evaluations, right? Like, let's say, like, let's say Ninja had his own skin. Like, only he had it, right? The NFT price of that and the value put behind consumers on that NFT would be, like, extremely high, extremely high. all, like definitely in the millions of dollars. But let's say a regular person like you and me had their own NFT skin, The value of that would be a lot less just because of the person utilizing that NFT. And that would be detrimental exactly. to the company because they would over time be losing money on the NFT. So I do see how that makes sense because like even like direct quotes from developers say like, how hasn't this been identified as just like another pyramid schemes like beyond me? It's like the
1: thoughts that they're having on this entire idea. A hundred percent, hundred percent agree with you. Like that's why I don't think gaming companies can specifically leverage it right now because their model right now is microtransactions, as I've already mentioned. Like bringing this in would kind of like basically defeat the purpose of their entire business model and kind of just like tank their company. But I think like eventually there's a possibility of this technology being adapted in the gaming industry. If they're able to put, like price scores and price roofs on like each of these um, NFT skins, like there's definitely like a possibility, right? That's just like, if, say for example, if the number one Fortnite player, gets like their own nfc skin it's literally going to be valued in millions of dollars while a half nfc skin would only be valued like maybe like five bucks maximum
0: max- so I, think, I definitely see that yeah i, I mean sort so of talk about gaming just to switch gears do you see like microsoft recently bought activision for 68.7 billion dollars showing that big tech firms keep pushing the envelope while legacy media companies desperate to reposition themselves for younger audiences sit on the sidelines like that's a big deal for microsoft acquiring activision now having their own subset of games that are going to be present on the xbox platform as opposed to other platforms
1: on competitors such as um ps5 yeah i think this is actually like a big move by xbox right like because they've acquired several gaming like uh game developing companies before right they've acquired bethesda they've acquired like ea um certain ea titles and stuff like that right so basically like this is another like step forward in the right di- direction for them right because as of now playstation has definitely a better like um like platform specific library right so they, they only have like um titles that are available on their platform so they like, currently like- have a better selection so I think, but I think Xbox has been kind of lacking in that regard, right? So I think this is a good step for them in like actually gaining ground on um, Sony's PlayStation and actually getting some good titles on their side and therefore like pumping up their numbers of sales in the Xbox consoles, right? Because everyone knows that like actual console manufacturers, they, make, they actually make negative money on every console that they sell. But where they make money is on the games that they sell, right? Think about it. You're getting like 4K gaming on an Xbox Series X for $500. Say that you want to get that on a PC. That would be over $2,000 with the graphics card prices like currently, right? So they're definitely losing a lot of money on each of these consoles as it's been a trend for like the past couple of decades, right? Xbox 360, Xbox One, PlayStation 3, PlayStation 4. All of them have been losing money on every single console they sell. But where they make a lot of money is on the titles that they sell, right? Their own unique um, platform-specific titles. I think this is a big step forward in the right direction for them to basically maximize the profit on their consoles.
0: You know, I found this entire thing very interesting because in like, In relation to this acquisition, uh, Microsoft CEO Satya Nandela said in a statement, when we think about our vision for what a metaverse can be, we believe there won't be a single centralized metaverse and that it shouldn't be. We need to support many metaverse platforms as well as a robust ecosystem of content commerce and applications. And that was the reasoning behind acquiring Activision so that they can take a step ahead and plan for the future metaverse. I find this really interesting because like other companies, right, such as Disney and Comcast, Gaming would allow them to stay relevant to younger audiences, even as legacy assets fade away. Um, but it's very interesting because that nearly $70 billion deal would be an enormous, like enormous, enormous change for even the largest media companies such as Disney and Comcast with market valuations between 200 and 300 billion. But it's actually not nearly as big of a swing for Microsoft, which has a market capitalization of 2.3 trillion. But the, the really critical part about this is planning for the future, a future with the metaverse and Activision's entire gaming network and how every game is integrated into each other would be a very big change and a very big leap for Microsoft and in a way monopolizing the market, but also planning for the metaverse and creating a metaverse where it's not just one singular centralized um, online area, but very various different ecosystems that are all connected in a, in a big network. Called the
1: metaverse. I definitely agree with that, right? Because like if remember, have you ever watched the movie like Ready Player One? Yeah. So basically the whole premise of that movie is that there's like a metaverse of their own called the Oasis. There's only one of them, and they essentially had a monopoly on everyone's lives, right? Because everyone was like very invested into it. They're buying like gear for it, they're buying like basically their own quote-unquote nfts in the game and stuff like that right so like i think it would be very detrimental to like the economy if there was only one metaverse like just facebook for example there definitely needs to be a couple of ecosystems so that they like balance out the market make sure it's not like they're not like barren. it's not from a barren of an industry like it happened like, a couple of decades ago so basically i think that's a very good like thing that microsoft's doing by buying like basically friends for the future and kind of build their own um metaverse essentially and speaking of like digital like environments let's think about the augmented reality headset um that's being developed by Google right now what are your thoughts yeah
0: about I saw that yeah ba- basically like for our viewers back home Google is working on a project called Project Iris where we could see a Google where we can see Google go up against Meta and Apple in coming headset wars. um because right now Meta Maybe the loudest company building AR and virtual reality hardware, um, but Apple is working on something too. But Google is also looking to jump into that space, creating their own augmented reality software. Me personally, like I always see practical applications for augmented reality, such as like the Measure app on your phone. But in terms of entertainment, I personally think like virtual reality. Uh, into the metaverse is the way to go what what do you wait, what do you think like the entire idea of like investment in augmented
1: reality rather than virtual reality i think virtual reality is definitely the way to go in terms of entertainment right but for practical industrial like uses like applications i think augmented reality is definitely the way to go right say so for example like you're working on architecture right just imagine if you could, like have like a one scale of the building right in front of you instead of like building a whole Cardboard or something, right? That would be invaluable, to, like for, like groups and firms, right? So I think like, there's definitely a lot of good applications for AR, and I think that's where Google's going in terms right? of their AR development, rather than Apple and Meta. Meta is going for more of an entertainment side of it, while um, while uh, Apple is also going for more entertainment, entertainment like focused um, AR headset. So I think like, the main competitors in this like more practical focused AR headset wars is mostly Google and Microsoft, right? Because Microsoft already has a hold. They've gone through two iterations and generations of their of their glasses, and it's actually been pretty useful in certain applications. I've seen a lot of companies being able to use it in like, on like, the field, or like for, as I mentioned, architecture. There's a lot of good applications for it. I think Google is trying to get into that market, because they see like, Microsoft's really the only competitor in it at the moment, right? They're trying to like, like, get i these like,
0: No, I'd say the biggest competitor is, uh meta because they already have oculus right and that's arguably the best virtual reality
1: headset out there
0: and they're already looking to ways to
1: implement that into the metaverse no but like that's more entertainment focused right i'm talking like purely like practical practical practical, things that are like for business things for like businesses and like things for that that can actually like you know progress the economy right like i mean obviously like the entertainment side also progresses but this like can actually like put some good into the world right Mm So say for example like you can save so many resources, say, for example, like paper, rather than like just having it like augmented go in onto your desk, rather than you actually printing it out and stuff, right? That would like, that'd be invaluable to so many companies. So I think that's kind of like the direction that Google is headed towards,
0: you know, what, I, what I find very interesting is Google is finally coming back into the hardware space, right? I mean, we have to realize like Project Iris marks a return to the hardware category that Google has long and checkered in history, right? Look all the way back to like the debut of Google Glass, Google Glass in 2012 and how ill-fated it was and how their multi-year effort to sell virtual reality headsets quietly fizzled out in 2019. I feel like the whole reason Google's even jumping back into the virtual reality and augmented reality space through Project Iris is because of the big buzz around the metaverse. Again, I hate I hate to keep coming back to this, but this is really the future. The entire idea that we're gonna have a virtual space where people can go and live and then they come back to real world and use augmented reality for practical use. I think that big like jump in the market and big like camaraderie amongst the entire community, people wanting this to happen. is why Google's finding like, maybe we failed in 2012, because that was just the right, wrong time. Maybe we had the right product at the wrong time, but now is the right time. So we're, we're gonna enter Project
1: Iris now and get this through now. I think you hit the spot on like, why Google Glass failed back, back in like 2014, 2012, right? it's because they were it was like a product ahead of its time right no one's ever heard of like an augmented reality headset right and no one was willing to really hop on the bandwagon they were not willing no developers were willing to like get onto it because they personally didn't think people were going to use it at that time right like there weren't many Useful applications for like technology hasn't penetrated the market as it has today, right? Today is the right time for people to invest in like uh, augmented reality, virtual reality headsets because it's such has such good penetration into the market, and that it's actually like a viable solution to many real world real world problems. So I think it's definitely the right time for Google to step into the market.
0: It's not even that like we've actually already seen this happen. Like the ec- the executive overseeing the effort is his name is Clay um, Beaver. And he reports directly to CEO Sundar Pichai, who manages a project called Project Starline. And this is an ultra high resolution video chat book that was demoed last year through augmented reality. And I actually have seen this video. And if you guys have it, I uh, go on YouTube and search of Project Starline. And if Starline is any indication, Project Iris could be a technical marvel. Because people who have tried Starline, have said it's one of the most impressive tech demos ever and its ability to recreate who you're chatting with in 3D through augmented reality is um, supposedly hyper-realistic. And in an eye tracking test with employees, Google found that people focused roughly 15% more on who they were talking to using the Starline Feature versus a traditional video call just because the augmented reality augmented a 3d human on voice chats which is becoming more and more pertinent in modern society through the augmented reality system i think that is one technological marvel that if we can get through like properly with augmented reality would be a game changer not only for video conferences but a, a myriad of
1: other things that would definitely take video conferences conferences to a. End- different level right just think of like a classroom where like a bunch of students are learning but virtually as we did last year in the pandemic say so like you could literally see the teacher in front of you teaching in like an augmented reality like setup right that would be like that would be absolutely insane value for like students like, like it would retra- give you a whole different a whole like classroom around you too exactly like if you have the space for it you, you can definitely create a whole classroom around you and that's I think that's like a very interesting thing about like technology, how technology has progressed. And technology about to progress even further with Elon Musk's no. neuralink, which oh is just God. about to go into clinical trials. And he's actually since he's already tested it on um uh, other animals like monkeys in twenty seventeen and proved its his quote unquote proof of concept in it. So now he's actually moving on to human trials. And I think that's absolutely mind blowing. I didn't think he would get this close this fast. Like actually making Neuralink a possibility. You, so what's your, what, what are your thoughts on that?
0: Like this is crazy because w- when we first heard about Neuralink, like it was like a couple of years ago, right? We all thought like, okay, you know, we all know it's Elon Musk. He always likes to think of crazy ideas that will never happen in our lifetime, like such as the Neuralink, right? Implanting a chip where we can have like telepathy through people, uh right? We can have increased um. Thinking better speed, fast pace, ever evolving environments, and that we could help like protect against disabilities, right? And I personally thought like oh, okay, that's like a good 50 years down the line, right? It's not gonna be that well. But The fact that he's already recruited for clinical trials already this quickly in a matter of just like three years is mind-boggling to me because I didn't think it was actually gonna happen at all. Like, and this is like a big game changer for the entire industry as a whole. Imagine everyone wearing a Neuralink, how we could all like increase our communication. We would have to even say a word to each other, and whatever thoughts we want to transmit to another person can be done. I mean,
1: talk about like expanding the metaverse, right? <laughs> Imagine oh, the yeah. Neuralink. Elon Musk could literally, like, that's kind of scary to think, right? Like, it's he like, has a he has almost control over
0: everyone. Someone's it. it's, it's dystopian <laughs> if you think about it.
1: Like, Elon Musk is like the god of the metaverse. Like, that's, that's, like, he can, literally you just fry your brain to the... To the, the, the which he, the he can, can button, which, he, like, which he definitely can.
0: Like, number 0572? Uh oh, okay. No, I don't, I don't like you. Bzz.
1: Yeah, I mean, he definitely can't do that. That would definitely be illegal. He <laughs> would never approve that. Um, <laughs> but, like, that's definitely a, a cool possibility to think about, right? Like, this is, like, so dystopian to think about it. I think mean, the link is definitely... Like, the Neuralink has so many applications, right? Like, just think about, like, basically a computer in your brain. You would, you would barely need, like... Think about how obsolete schools would become, <laughs> like if you had a Neuralink in your brain, right? You have the you have the access to, like millions of like articles of information, and the grasp of like just within a millisecond you can have it in your brain. I just I think like that's just so crazy, right?
0: It is, but. The first like application use that Elon is looking for with the Neuralink is in the medical field, right? He's saying like people, the technology is replacing faulty or missing neurons within circuits. All this will do is accelerate our neuron transmission within our body to help with disabilities. But that's really just the tip of the iceberg, right? If we're helping our physical self, right? Who knows how we can uh, like fix our like brain self. I I don't know how to explain that, but like, you can actually accelerate the processes that go in through your brain through more like understanding of our brain, because we really only know like 1% of what's going on in our head, to be honest. But once we figure out more about that and figure out how to link it to our neural link, realize we're all just going to be interconnected again.
1: And I think that would be the peak of the metaverse, to be honest. A 100%, right? Because like, say, for example, like you have this neural link in your brain, right? And see you are like memory loss. This acceleration of your neurons can basically like like it would have like a clear path to curing that right like just think of so many people with alzheimer so many people like so many like memory loss and, and like problems right like like brain cranial problems like this could easily like the neural like the neural link is like you you could think of it as like a one cure fits for all right like it could be adapted to like speed up your neurons here there it's just a brain machine interface like we've had them for years right like people have used brain machine interfaces like they've been like very like they haven't been completely effective, right? Because some of them use stiffer needles that can like actually damage the cells in your brain. But as with the new Elon Musk doing his clinical trials, I think he's trying to find a way for to be like accessible to everyone, right? Like a very low risk, um, like a risk way to actually implement this. I think that's like the future for this. Like, there's so many medical applications and it's just going to branch out from there right medical applications maybe like five years from now but just think about like the the technological applications how you can upgrade this technology to become like even more integrative and have access to the internet like the brain like just just think about how like a human would be able to evolve if you had a brain and a machine working together right like obviously that's like that's a very dystopian thing to think about but even like if it happens in the next 50 years that would be considered a miracle in my opinion
0: you know you know the entire you know what's like crazy like i'm having like i don't know if you call it deja vu but i feel like this is what we are going through right now is very similar to what people were going through in the 1900s right the advent of the car right and then the car progresses, right? That they had the first generation of the cars and now we're getting the new generations of the cars, right? Um, They had like first generations, I guess, like atomic bombs and all all, all these like new technologies that were in their infancy stages. I feel like we're living through the time where we're seeing all these technologies in their infancy stages from electric cars, to NFTs, to the metaverse, to Neuralink, they're all in their infancy. And I think we're seeing like the beginning of a whole new generation of things and i can't wait
1: to see how the future for all these technologies will unveil. yeah definitely we're living in the golden age of innovation and i'm i'm just waiting for my turn to contribute to this to yeah, be honest sure. all right guys that's it for this week's episode of the mainframe podcast thank you for listening and be sure to tune in for new episodes every friday take care and peace
0: you are now leaving the mainframe